Hey y'all, welcome back to the 21st episode of the Brianna Approved Podcast. And this one is appropriate for cold and flu season coming up because although cold and flu season was canceled last year, it is not going to be this year. So in episode 21, we're going to be talking all things cultivating seasonal wellness, fortifying versus boosting your immune system and why that's not actually always something we want to do herbal properties in particular for the immune system, and then of course, identifying quote, red flags in the immune system. But before we get into that, we are going to start with our fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know the average person produces more than a liter of mucus per day? So that's about 33 ounces. To give you some reference, a cup is about eight ounces, right? So you produce about four cups of mucus Per day. And this is actually really important because mucus is inherently protective. It's what goes and traps bacteria and viruses and things like that, and then helps to kind of expel it out of the body. So when we talk about expectorant properties, in particular herbs that can help to thin out mucus and get it out of the system, that's going to be important when we're dealing with mucus. So we don't want to always, you know, get rid of all the mucus, but there are some herbs like Yerba Santa, for example, that are really good at helping to dry up mucus. And then there are some herbs that can help make your cough more productive where you can actually get some of that out. And so that is what we're going to talk a little bit about today and understanding how to take more of a an individual approach to your immune protocol for this upcoming cold and flu season, right? And so the first question I always want people to ask themselves is like, where is one of the first places that I break down when I'm not feeling well, right? So if you have to give your body a chance to be able to heal and recover and, you know, get well and stay well, you have to understand your DNA weaknesses, your genetic chinks in the chain, if you will, how you actually respond to stress, how you respond to being exposed to different pathogens, viruses, bacteria. Again, because just because you're exposed to something does not mean you are going to get sick, right? So, The goal, of course, here as always is to build immune resilience, to build a robust immune system, to have a immune response that can handle it if and when you are exposed to germs, right? And so this is this idea of cultivating seasonal wellness, right? So, you know, combining certain herbs and botanicals, some core nutrients is going to be important. So your basics, like your vitamin D3, your zinc, your antioxidants, um, some of what I call your preseason herbs, which I've talked about before, right? That you want to do before you're getting sick. And then of course you got to, you got to think about lifestyle stuff. So nutrition, sleep, movement, laughter, hydration, stress, all of these things relative to what is going on. And, you know, rarely it is so simple that there's just one or two herbs or one or two supplements that's going to change a person's overall health status, right? We have to look at the whole person, their diet, their lifestyle, if they're sleep, if they're sleep deprived, if they're stressed, if they're low in vitamin D, right? Those people are going to be more likely to be susceptible to illness when and if they are exposed to a germ, a virus, a bacteria, a person coughing, coughing, what have you. And I think it's really important to remember that you are in a long-term committed relationship with your immune system, right? Because we know that our immune system is an expression of the relationship between 
the body and everything it comes in contact with, meaning the external environment, our internal environment, the thoughts we think, the people we hang out with, the food we eat, right? And so, you know, the immune system is this interface between internal, external environments. And basically, it's just, again, always trying to get back to homeostasis. And so it is important to identify what are some of your red flags in your immune relationship, right? What are some of your deal breakers and some of your non-negotiables? And just like any relationship, it takes time to work on and to build and to cultivate. And so red flags for you might be every time I drink alcohol, I notice that it pushes me over the edge and I get really sick. So, you know, I have to be aware of that flag when it pops up or some of your deal breakers and non-negotiables can be like, I have to get seven hours of sleep every night, or I have to drink a certain amount of water, or I have to make sure that I go to the gym and sweat it out or go and have time in the sauna, go to my acupuncturist, whatever it is. So you have to identify that first, like, again, what are red flags that, you know, you're contributing to or allowing, and then some of your deal breakers, non-negotiables as well. And so next I want to take a little bit of time to talk about this idea of fortifying versus quote, boosting the immune system. Because if you are somebody who is maybe autoimmune in nature, or you have a lot of excess inflammation in the body, hyper, as they would say in Chinese medicine, uh, we don't always want to be boosting everything all the time. So fortifying, modulating, supporting, this is the This is the language we should be using when we're talking about our immune system, right? And so to fortify actually means to protect and to strengthen and to support and to reinforce and defend again, so that anytime that you come in contact with a pathogen, a bacteria, a virus, you don't have to be super worried that it's going to just take you out and make you get sick, right? Correlation does not always equal causation. Just because you're exposed to a pathogen does not mean you are going to get sick. The overall health of the individual person determines the impact of these factors that they can have on how quickly we recover from a sickness, how likely we are to actually get sick, get sick and stay sick. And you know, how quickly we can bounce back. So we do have a couple of categories, right? Like immune modulators, which again, support the immune system by helping to balance it out. So these are going to be things that are like generally rich in polysaccharides, you know, a lot of our mushrooms. So, you know, reishi, chaga, I would put astragalus in there and cordyceps as well. Adaptogens, I would definitely not underestimate the power of adaptogens, how they can secondarily respond to what's going on in our central nervous system particularly through the stress axis pathway. And then of course, herbs to address underlying causes. So are you getting sick because you're not sleeping enough? You maybe need sedatives and nervines. Are you getting sick because your digestion is really bad and you're not getting enough of the nutrients and vitamins and minerals you need to recover and give your body the building blocks. Maybe you need to look into dietary changes and adding in digestive bitters. Or for you, are you getting sick all the time because stress, anxiety, inflammation, those buckets are overflowing and they're really full. That's where, you know, adaptogens of course can play a role, but you have to look a lot of, out of a lot of lifestyle factors. And when we're talking about different stages for immune system health, we have to think about adjusting your protocol with different stages of sickness, right? Which can mean you're changing what botanical you're using or supplement or whatever, the frequency that you're giving this to yourself and the dosage as well. Right. And there's kind of like four main phases, I would say, when we're talking about 
approaches for wellness. So we have our prevention phase, right? Which I call pre-season, right? This is where we're building our herbal first aid kit. We're taking preventative things like washing our hands, going to sleep, taking some of those long-term immune herbs or vitamin D or zinc or omegas, all the boring stuff that like you can't biohack your way out of. Then we have like our early symptoms that happen sometimes, right? So this is maybe when we need a bit more of an acute response. So taking things in more heroic doses, right? Getting rest, making sure that we're listening to the sickness behavior that is a byproduct of cytokines that are produced in the brain and the body. So when we're tired, we need to rest. So this is maybe when we bring in oil of oregano, um, yin chow, we maybe take a little bit of a greater dose of things like echinacea elderberry, right? Then we kind of move into being full on sick with symptoms, right? So this is again, where you maybe need to potentially use Western medicine. Maybe you need to get on a Z pack. Maybe you need to take an antibiotic, right? That's not always a bad thing. Um, but what is important is when we go into stage four, which is recovery. So this is now when we start to build back up the immune system, when we start to think back to what was going on before we got sick, what are some of my genetic chinks in the armor? How did I contribute to it? How was I not listening to my body in the first place and kind of cycling through that? So, you know, prevention, early symptoms, full on sick with symptoms and then recovery. And those can, like I said, be different protocols depending on what botanical supplement maybe you want to use. Maybe sometimes you need Western medicine, the frequency that you're being given these, you know, protocols and then the dosage as well, titrating up and titrating back as needed and understanding that, you know, infection and disease are not the same, right? So like a disease occurs when there's tissue function that's damaged or impaired by pathogens, right? So like those can be more long-term chronic. You can get infections more acutely, right? So um, they can be because of a pathogen we were exposed to or a virus, bacteria, what have you. So a well-functioning immune system can support the resistance of infection sometimes, although there might still be symptoms or like I said, recent exposure. So this is again, where constitutional approaches is really important. Again, understanding, um, how, when you've been sick in the past, how do you get sick? Do you stay sick for a really long time? Do you generally take a a while to recover? Do you bounce back? Um, do you run yourself into the ground? And that's usually what happens for you. Like you have to really do an audit on yourself individually, because that is going to make a really big difference for not only the protocol you choose to engage in, but that recovery phase. Because when we think about building our quote health house or health castle, whatever analogy you want to use, you don't want to always be doing repairs to your health house when invaders are there, right? So that would be like having a house guest over and then saying, yeah, I'm going to go and like I'm going to go and and redo the kitchen cabinets. That would be like super messy and really loud and inconvenient for everybody involved. You would do that when the guests leave. So in this analogy, we're talking about guests as like pathogens and viruses and bacteria. You want to work on that stuff while it's not around. So again, when your guests quote, come back, it's easier to clean up that mess. So I just want people to be aware that, you know, your body is always trying to heal itself and it's doing that through homeostasis. It's doing that through sickness behavior. Uh, we need to actually listen and take some responsibility in general. And so of course we know the best treatment is prevention, right? Um, 
But it's also important to understand that seeing the forest or the trees, right, addressing secondary factors that can be contributing to your overall weekend state, right? So looking at the big picture of your health, your overall averages, your daily habits, all of that stuff really adds up. There's a lot of secondary contributing factors, sleep, stress, pro-inflammatory people, poor diet, nutrient imbalances, HPA access, you know, overstimulation, oxidative damage. I mean, there's a lot of things that, again, your body and immune system in particular is just secondarily responding to what else is going on in an attempt to get you back to balance, but it's often at our own metabolic, hormonal, cellular expense. So we have to listen. Again, you know, addressing the acute illness at hand, like what I'm dealing with right now, how do I feel? Not forgetting the importance of rest, nourishment, and having full recovery. Um, And again, understanding it takes time to build up a deficiency, just like it takes time to build up resiliency. So you do have to be, I think, a bit patient with yourself as well. And again, we've talked a little bit about herbal matchmaking. I've done an episode on this and herbal energetics, you know, warming versus cooling herbs. If things are um, depending on the energy, the flavor, direction, organ meridian, all of that, is important, but I wanted to take the last few minutes of the podcast episode today to talk about specific properties like immune stimulants, expectorants, um, you know, decongestants, things like this that can actually help when you're in that acute uh oh phase and you don't necessarily know what the right protocol is and what you kind of need. So the immune stimulants, right, they're kind of self-explanatory. These are herbs that basically help to increase the function of the immune system, right? And they can work on a lot of different levels. This is generally when they are working on that innate immune response. So we're getting like our white blood cells to be more increased. We're getting natural killer cells, T cells, B cells, a lot of those frontline defenders that we want in greater quantities. And so again, they can help to kind of increase the function of of systems like the nervous system, maybe the immune system. And again, this would be under that quote boosting category, but again, we don't want to always overboost things or overstimulate things. This is where we saw cytokines get a really bad rap in the news last year with everything going on because cytokines, again, inherently, um, they act as protein signaling molecules. They're part of the inflammatory cascade, which is healing in nature. But when our inflammation cytokine bucket is really full and overflowing, and then we go and add more stimulation to that and we have more cytokines, that's where it can be problematic. So in the immune stimulant category, when we're talking about herbs, we want to think about things like um, echinacea can be really good for that. Um, You know, oregano oil can actually be pretty pretty good when it's in acute kind of phase, Uh, wild indigo, and then even lomatium. Those are some nice, really good immune stimulants to have on hand. And like I said, yin chow is a really nice Chinese formula that is like you want to take in super big doses the first couple of days when you're having those symptoms. And that's where people also incorrectly use something like echinacea. You need to not take it when you're day six of being sick and say, oh, I'm going to try taking echinacea and elderberry now. No, it's the first time you have a symptom, echinacea, elderberry, yin chow. You need to be titrating up every two to four hours doing like full dropper fulls of a good quality brand of an echinacea, making sure you're getting that tingling feeling for the spallants in there. That's going to be really important. 
Next, we have something called expectorants, right? So this is really important for anything going on in the respiratory tract, right? So think coughing and your cough reflex. So what expectorants do is they help to expel out mucus that has been accumulated in the body. They don't necessarily stop you from coughing, right? They help you have a cough that could be more productive. Um, when I originally thought I was going to do this episode, I thought I was going to get into different kinds of coughs because we have dry coughs, we have wet coughs, um, more mucusy coughs, and there are different protocols for that. I think maybe I'll do that at a later time, but um, again, there are more stimulating expectorants, right? And uh, that's going to help get the mucus out. And then there are relaxing expectorants, which that is more for the person who has a very spastic cough. It's maybe that dry cough where you feel like you're hacking up a lung and that's affecting your sleep or are you just like having a conversation? And so that would be more like your lobelia, uh, your pulsatia, which can help kind of help to relax things. But for this, we're talking about expelling out mucus. So in here, things like licorice root are really uh, really helpful to have on hand. They can help to thin out mucus. Wild cherry, you'll probably see this in a lot of herbal respiratory formulas. OSHA, an amazing all over herb for all things respiratory tract, sinus stuff, uh, actually helps to help you breathe deeper, oxygenate the lungs, really nice for um, getting white blood cells to the lungs. And then of, of course, your basanta is really nice, can be very drying. I would even, I would put golden seal in here. Again, one of those herbs that people I think use incorrectly sometimes, um, shouldn't be used longer than two weeks, but very good for that hot mucusy, yellow mucus stuff coming up. So that's going to be you know, one of the expectorants overall. But again, when we think about stimulating expectorants, right, this helps to stimulate a depressed respiratory system, right? So they can be used when we have cold and damp coughs, right? So a lot of these stimulating expectorants, they're very warming in nature, right? They can break up stagnation. If there's a lot of that um, heavy mucus that's maybe like irritating some of our local tissues, it can kind of activate that cough reflex because we don't just want the mucus like sitting in our respiratory tract. So oregano is really great for this, elecampane, garlic, um, whorehound, osha, and thyme. And so a really easy tea to make in the winter is literally just like doing your own, you know, in a percolator, you can get thyme from like whole foods and boil hot water and do, you know, thyme and even rosemary together, um, a little bit of orange peel maybe, and you let that simmer for like 20 minutes and you press that down and you can drink that. So that's really, really nice to have for that cold, damp cough. Then when we talk about, again, relaxing expectorants, these can be soothing and calming, um, you know, cooling a little bit in nature, right? Because think about when you're like hacking up a lung, that's really irritating to the throat. So they can add a bit of moisture back to the respiratory system, uh, particularly if they're overly inflamed, if they're very hot and they're very tense. Um, so again, we want to think of these for respiratory conditions where there's that hot, dry stuff going on. Um, so these are going to be things, again, like lobelia can help kind of relax the cough. It, lobelia is great because it actually, in general, activates the 10th cranial nerve, so deals with the vagus nerve, right? Relaxation, the parasympathetic response. 
Marshmallow root is something I always keep on hand during the winter months. Again, if I, I get, I'm prone to having sore throats, uh, I would get strep throat a lot growing up. So marshmallow is very good for that dry, hot, inflamed throat. Um, licorice root again is going to be in there. Mullen, mullen. If you actually look at what the botanical looks like, it's like these huge green fluffy leaves. They like look soft when you just, when you just see them in a picture and if you touch them. So they're really nice for respiratory calming down inflammation. Pleurisy root uh, would be in there. And like I said, even wild cherry. So those are going to be some of your relaxing kind of expectorants. Then we have decongestants. So these are a bit different in action and in an expectorant and that what they focus on generally is the upper respiratory tract, right? So where expectorants many times kind of they focus on the lower part of the respiratory tract, like our bronchi and lungs. And so these decongestants, they're think about like when anybody's ever rubbed Vicks on your chest when you were a kid, right? So decongestants are typically warming. They're a bit pungent and spicy. They can help to drain some of that excess mucus from the sinuses and nasal passageways. So again, we don't want to think about mucus as being bad. We produce a good amount of it, you know, every day, but we don't want to get stuck and like, you know, like backed up in the body. So horseradish is a really nice decongestant. Um, we also have things like yerba mansa in there. Oregano, again, can be nice. Peppermint, golden seal, elderflower, chamomile. And what I love about all these decongestants is that these are all super easy to make your own teas at home. You can get like bulk loose leaf botanicals from somewhere like, you know, um, mountain, mountain rose herbs and just make, you know, your own teas of it. It doesn't have to be a tincture. It can be, but again, decongestants think about when, you have something like horseradish or wasabi, right? It opens everything up. Um, think about when you smell something like peppermint, right? When you have like that stuffed up nose, eucalyptus even. So you can do one of those, you know, uh, when you're putting like a, a towel over your head and you're breathing those in, that can be really helpful as well. Then we have antitussives, which again, what those do is they help to kind of suppress and inhibit a cough again, because, what they're going to do is they're going to relax some of that tension in the respiratory system. Um, but we don't want to totally shut down the cough reflex overall because coughing is productive. We, again, we have more productive coughs. Um, and again, we just don't want it to irritate things like our throat. So wild cherry and lobelia, I would say are kind of the most popular antitussives again, for helping you to just relax the smooth muscles where again, maybe you can't go to sleep because you're coughing so much, right? And like that's stressing you out. And then because you're not sleeping, your immune system's not getting the love that it needs. And then we have a couple more, um, demulcents. So again, demulcents are really, really important for anything going on that is dry, right? So you do not want to give a demulcent plant to someone who has cold, wet, like a, that boogery kind of cough, right? That's going to aggravate it because what it does is it adds moisture to things. So when we're thinking about demulcents or a demulcent person who needs them, we want to think about things where we're seeing like heat and tension and dryness, right? Because what they do is that they're very soothing and cooling and they can moisten some of these dried out mucous membranes. So again, marshmallow root, slippery elm is going to be really important for that com comfrey, licorice, uh, and again, even mullein. So those are really nice to have on hand. And then lastly, I wanted to touch on astringents because again, these are used for upper respiratory system stuff that we have going on, uh, especially if we have like a runny nose, right? Things are just leaking everywhere. And 
if maybe our lymph nodes maybe are not processing things out as much as they need to, we have a lot of swelling in the mucous membranes. We have a lot of sore throats going on where there's just excess, right? You think about when you get a sore throat, sometimes you produce more saliva, right? Where you feel like you have to swallow more and then that can be really painful. So we need to have things that can be a bit more drying in nature. Sage Again, one of those things you can literally get at Whole Foods, which is amazing. You can make your own tea. Um, Eyebright, goldenrod, which is popping up like everywhere right now. Like tis the season for goldenrod. Mother Nature is really amazing like that. Nettle leaf, uh, golden seal, yarrow is really great. And then, like I said, yerba santa. Those are some really nice astringent kind of herbs to keep on hand, um, you know, during this time of the year. And so, you know, lastly, to kind of wrap things up, I just, I want everybody to understand that the goal as always is to understand that we're just trying to maintain homeostasis in our body, right? So we don't want to just focus on killing everything we come in contact. Everything does not have to be antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, anti-stress. That is a super vitalist approach, right? Like we don't, want to do that, a reductionist approach. What we want to do is thinking about harmony in the body and balance and modulation and, you know, not having more excess in the body. So, um, we have to start thinking about what are the secondary reasons for why I'm getting sick? What is my personal deficit that I need to be aware of? Um, do I need to be strengthening something, a part of my system, way before it's quote cold and flu season or whatever it is, what phase of my, of my illness or wellness am I in? Do I need to be doing more of an acute approach? Do I need a more long-term approach? Um, am I working on my hormones? Is it more lymphatic stuff? Is it more immune system stuff? Is it central nervous system? I mean, so it is really important to understand that we're trying to shift the ecology of us as organisms, right? To, to make it less hospitable for these pathogens, bacteria when they're happening in the body. And with that, I would like to ask you all to continue to subscribe, rate, review, um, share, tag the podcast. It really helps get it out there, helps make it more motivating for me as well. Continue to check out brianadiorio.com website. That's where all fun educational content lives. And Hope you all have an amazing rest of your week. Chat with you soon. Ciao.